Yeah, welcome to the Living Permaculture Show. I'm Jerome Osentowski, and my special guest is Miss Harmony, Vanessa Harmony. Uh, Vanessa, tell us a little bit about uh, the business you're running right now and uh, about how you got into it and how you came to the Valley. Thanks, Jerome. Thanks for having me. My name is Vanessa Harmony, and I own and operate Colorado Edible Forest, which is a nursery, plant nursery, specializing in fruit trees and hardy edible perennial plants for Colorado. I actually moved to the valley specifically to do this endeavor, start getting my start at Crimpy. And as many of our listeners know, uh, Jerome taught me the tricks of the nursery trade, and Jerome taught me how to graft, and I had the pleasure of living up on Basalt Mountain and operating a nursery there for three years. Ultimately, in 2019, I decided to move the nursery to a more accessible location. As much as I loved living up on Basalt Mountain, it's not terribly accessible, so I moved my nursery to Glenwood Springs at Rivendell Farms, which is a cooperative, well, in the future we hope for it to be a cooperative farm. We have several enterprises there now. I have my plant nursery, which is about a, a quarter acre fenced in. The property owner, Jared Kirst, bought the farmland last year, and he's now raising grass-finished beef as well as continuing to grow sod. And the grass-finished beef are helping to renourish the soil through ecosystem renewal, ecosystem renewal and uh, repair the soils after all those decades of extractive sod production. We also have uh, Jean-Vier Villamisar, who is growing garlic at the farm and hopes to be uh, growing a native plant, native grass and for business. Um, So in the future, we hope to invite other farm enterprises up to the farm um, who are able to synergize with our space and our resources. Uh, We'd love to have a vegetable operation in the future, uh, herb production, uh, all the things that are beneficial for the ecosystem and um, contribute to the production of the farm. Well, uh, that was a great connection you made there. Uh, Just backing up, though, when um, the second you were up there, uh, you you had Jen uh, uh, from Rock Bottom. Well, she's not at Rock Bottom now, but uh, you had Jen up there, and she was learning the nursery trade with you, but she actually came here in the valley to become uh, 
to raise you know animals and to work with the animals at rock bottom and she was able to get that position a year later wasn't she Yes. So uh, when I operated the nursery up at Central Rocky Mountain Permaculture Institute, there was one year I wanted to have an apprentice, and I'm so happy that Jen came to the Valley to take that opportunity. And she and I worked in the nursery together for that year, and the following year she became the livestock lead at Rock Bottom Ranch, which she has done for two or three years, but now she has moved on to become the, I believe it's the policy coordinator for Rocky Mountain Farmers Union, so she's shifting into policy work. And yeah, part of the goal of this show today is we wanted to update our listeners on where some of our friendly faces of farming are and where we're heading for 2023. Some of the crimpy girls, right? (laughs) And and, and I just had a conversation with with Natalie Fuller, and uh, she was one of our gals that helped us. The the book took a design course about eight years ago up at Crimpy and then uh, came down to Carbondale and did a assortment of different things and eventually took over the um, Dandelion Days and she did a really good job Amazing. of doing that. Yeah, building uh, social capital here in the valley and um, you know brought that up to a whole nother level where uh, uh, you know all the growers had a really good representation and uh, it's one of my favorite uh, days of the year here in the Valley. Absolutely. The growers benefit so much from Dandelion Day and having that opportunity to sell plants. So where is Natalie now, and what is she going to be doing in 2023? Well, she's going back to school and uh, in Portland, and um, she may come back, but she just had a difficult time you know, making it work here because mm-hmm. of the finances and housing and stuff and, and just, you know, I don't think being paid enough to to keep it going, but um, she's thirty and she decides she wants to do something a little different, um, and she's going to be learning about uh, um, diet and, and she wants to be a counselor in nutritional diet. So she must have learned something up at Crumpy, uh, eating all those good salads and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, rabbit stew or something like that, right? Well, we'll miss Natalie in the Valley. I hope she comes back, and I hope somebody will carry the torch for Dandelion Day and the Farmer's Night Out. Well, that won't happen again, but uh, there is somebody who uh, Natalie thinks will will, will, uh, keep the the festival going anyway. So so that's that's good, and they're going to pay them a, a living wage. Oh, good. Yeah. That's great. Well, and what about Stephanie? Any updates from Stephanie and her farm? In well, Puerto I saw Rico? the I saw the little baby um, and uh, talked to her about uh, things are going okay over there. She's going to be kind of taking a a sabbatical from teaching and doing other things. Uh, she's still looking for some land over there in Puerto Rico, but I think it's, she's going to have a full time job uh, this uh, winter uh, with with the baby and. Um, and then uh, we'll probably do something together next summer. Um, uh, she'll probably come back and help us do the design course. And Good. Yeah. Well, tell me about some of your recent design charrettes and field trips. You went and visited Scott Skogerbo of Fort Collins Wholesale Nursery recently. Is that right? Yes. We were up doing a, a – Karina Harpy and I were doing another one of the practicums up in uh, Darla which is a yoga retreat uh, just north of uh, Fort Collins in the mountains, about 10,000 feet. And we we did a, a similar charrette that we did over at, at Cattle Creek. And um, 
that was our that's our third one we've done now. And uh, then I went over to Scotts and spent time with him and uh, toured his forest garden and got three hundred and fifty dollars worth of new plants for my nursery that I could play around with some new candy and. Good. And you were there, too. Yes, I had the pleasure of visiting Fort Collins Wholesale Nursery in February, which was during my you know, reconnaissance time period of the, of the season. I wanted to see a large-scale nursery and learn about his propagation techniques, and he is such a wealth of knowledge. Um, so I learned a new grafting trick from him, not necessarily a new technique, but just a different way of applying the tech, uh, grafting technique that made it a lot more versatile and efficient for me, so I have Scott to thank for that. And I was pleased to hear that he is doing some contract propagation of the Colorado orange, which is an apple, a long lost apple that was rediscovered thanks to the Montezuma Orchard Restoration Project. And um, so it's exciting that Scott is helping to revive these long lost heirloom apples. Uh, where, where do you get the sign wood for that? Or He probably got it from Montezuma Orchard Restoration Project. Right. Yeah, we should, we should get some of that. Uh, well, that's, uh, yeah, and the other, uh, I did do the Pow Pow Fest again in, in uh, Fredericks, Maryland. That was a really fun event, and I brought back more uh, chestnuts and filberts and new kinds of uh, elderberries uh, and lots of seeds, some huge walnuts and we harvested about 30 gallons of walnuts this year Amazing. Just from our two trees. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, the pawpaw is the largest fruit native to North America, and we're going to keep trying to grow it around here. I know you've planted some in your forest garden. I tried growing some in the nursery this year, and they're struggling a little bit, but I'm going to keep persisting because we'd like to have some pawpaws here in the valley. Well, I have three grafted varieties that are doing really well. I found a little niches in the forest garden, and uh, I've got uh, over 200 seeds that I've uh, stratified in my refrigerator in peat moss. So those uh, would be seedlings uh, from good varieties that I'll hopefully germinate and uh, plant those out and sell them. I think uh, Michael Judd made about $7,000 just selling seedlings at the Pow Pow Fest. Wow. Yeah, so um, that that's a I think that's uh, just finding these more difficult uh, exotic fruits to grow. Uh, that's always the, the fun thing to do. Uh, I have a dozen, over a dozen citrus now in my forest garden, in my uh, tropical greenhouse, all starting to fruit. So um, I'm really focusing on fr- citrus and also grafting citrus. Nice. And in our valley, <coughs> citrus can be grown as a patio fruit in the summer and then brought indoors in the winter or grown in a greenhouse. Right. And I've got some, I've got some uh, rootstock that are multi-stem, so I'm going to be doing some Frankenstein All right. citrus trees. Uh, and, uh, yeah. and I also I got some uh, avocados from, uh, from Tim. And, um, he, Tim has a, a nursery in uh, Jacksonville called Eat Your Jacksonville. Huh. Uh, edible landscaping nursery and he took the design course in uh, Puerto Rico and um, I met him again down in uh, the Pow Pow Fest and um, he's grafting he's grafting Pow Pows now there's a special one called Mango Pow Pow mm. which I'm going to get some cyan wood and uh, start playing around with that one as well so um, exciting there's a um, and um, Danielle and uh, his partner. 
Oh, Daniel Kelso and Sadie. Yes. You wanted to talk about how they purchased a property in Paonia that's a heritage orchard. Well, it's an old orchard. It's an old orchard that's probably one of the first orchards in Paonia. And uh, the house is completely sacked. And um, the orchard was watered over the years but never maintained. Mm. And we had a pear picking day and an apple picking day, and we did a sort of a press fest over there. And I did a grafting demonstration and planted a guild. And has a lot of potential and a lot of work to uh, restore this old orchard. And but uh, lots of good varieties, uh, so we can use uh, get a lot of uh, cyan wood over there, a lot of propagation material from uh, you know black twig and uh, the pears or red pears. Nice. Uh, things I've not seen around. And uh, uh, so that's going to be another opportunity to, to um, you know, check into Paonia and have a, a kind of a base there and hopefully do some part of our agroforestry school that we want to get started. That would be a good place to do it. Good. Yeah, because you and I both go around propagating historic, old, tasty heritage fruit trees, but oftentimes we don't know what variety they are. We just know that they taste good. And so it's good to balance our propagation stock with known name variety fruits because sometimes people want to know exactly what type of apricot or exactly what type of apple they're getting. So it sounds like Daniel and Sadie's place will be a good source to get known varieties of scion wood. Um, I did that in the springtime. I wanted to have some good name variety fruit scion wood to propagate for my grafted fruit trees this year and I went and visited Austin Family Farm and the in Paonia and the patriarch of that farm Glenn sweet man he let me go around his orchard taking cuttings of his grapefruit trees and so I had some really tasty varieties of apples and peach and apricot uh, to share with my customers this year. And you knew what they were. Exactly. Right. Not some tasty fruit tree growing along the Rio Grande Trail which is also very exciting but it's good yeah. to have a balance. Well, when we take these fruits from Danielle's place, we'll have to we'll have to key them out because we don't really know what they are. Right. So you can <clears throat> key out apples and other fruits by visual cues. Um, something I'd love to a program I'd love to have in the future, possibly starting next year. I'm going to be doing the research this winter. Would be genetic testing of fruit trees. Um, Montezuma Orchard Restoration Project has done that, and that's how they were able to rediscover that long lost Colorado orange. Um, and so, for our valley, has a lot of historic. Uh, orchards and old fruit trees that were planted by the early settlers and so it'd be great to know if some of those fruit trees might be some long lost varieties. Yeah that would be that would be good. Scott could help us with that too. He mm-hmm. sold me a lot of my apple trees uh, when I planted them you know, 30 years ago uh, and I don't know what they are because I lost the tag so I need to take a photograph. Right we need to do some genetic testing at Crimpy at your Exactly <laughs> so that I can get uh, <laughs> And I think there's a, um, I think there's an opportunity to sell cyan wood um, because um, I bought cyan wood from Burnt Ridge mm-hmm. of, of plum trees, mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm going to buy some more pear. Uh, I have this. I don't know if you remember that big uh, pear tree, um, Highlands pear. I had to mm-hmm. cut it off because it had fire blight, but it suckered up, and I've been grafting a whole var- bunch of varieties of. Of European pear onto that onto that particular tree, um, and the same with plums. All of uh, the uh, native plum suckers and 
I've been regrafting them with different varieties of plums. See, just to get a lot of uh, cyanwood, right? Uh, um, then you could, you know, start a whole business. There is a Fort Collins uh, orchard that sells cyanwood. Well, they used to. You no, know, they might have quit, but they didn't have anything exciting. I thought they just had some generic stuff. But thought we should really get into that and uh, start selling cyanwood. You can get a you know, five dollars for one one foot of cyanwood, and you're cutting that anyway in the spring. You're throwing it away. I feed it to the rabbits, but. Um, you know, you might as well make some money in the spring when you, when there's no other income coming in to sell cyanide. Right. Yeah. So for any of our listeners that are already into grafting or looking to get into grafting next spring, you can reach out to Jerome and I to see about purchasing some cyanwood. And that's one of the things, another thing I'd like to pursue next year is um, having more workshops about grafting and plant maintenance and pruning. Um, in fact, I'll be collaborating with Pitkin County Open Space as well as Uproot in the springtime to do four pruning workshops. Um, there'll be space between Newcastle and Carbondale and Glenwood Springs and uh, Basalt um, so we can teach people how to take care of existing mature fruit trees. So stay tuned for that also. Right. But um, I wanted to circle back about Cattle Creek Gardens um, that you mentioned. You had done a des- design charrette in the springtime, which I guess is where you invite a lot of people there to discuss different ideas um, that can make the most out of the land and achieve the property owner's goals. Um, and then, uh, flash forward to the fall, I had the opportunity to work with Molly Armour Carter and Travis Carter of Cattle Creek Gardens to install their orchard that, you know, the seed was planted in the springtime by you. We designed that uh, part of that, yes. And we had different teams designing different parts of their property. And that was, yeah, that was really a great, uh, we had a bunch of people from Paonia, I think there were 20 people there. Uh, It was amazing that the quality of the designs that come out of a day and a half of, uh, Corrine does just a great job of uh, showing them the te- strategies and techniques, and then we put them, uh, you know, on with base maps and tracing paper, and it's amazing what good. And that very same thing happened at Dar- Darlam at uh, up at the Yoga Retreat Center. We had a really good uh, turnout of good design work, and uh, it's fun. It's like taking the design course and shrinking it down into two days. Uh, which actually seems to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Get straight into the hands-on. Uh-huh. Yes, so the orchard at Cattle Creek Gardens now consists of 28 fruit trees, 55 berries, and 20-something nitrogen fixers. The tree beds are all uh, kind of like uh, mini uh, boomerang swales, so they're all the planting beds are all on contour because their orchard is on a slope, which is mm-hmm. great for f- allowing frost to filter, uh, fall down, and not settle on the fruit trees. Um, and we also had the pleasure of working with Twisted Tree Landscaping. They were doing the fencing, and they did the earthworking. Um, And then Matt, who had been previously working at Sustainable Settings, he's now going to be working for Cattle Creek Gardens. So it was really fun to just be part of the whole year planning process and um, finally get those fruit trees in the ground, and so far they're thriving. Great. That's uh, Well, we... uh it's a full circle thing. That, and uh, some of the fruit trees that we planted there would be considered heritage fruit trees, meaning they're old fruit trees growing here in the Roaring Fork Valley. For example, there's a, an apple tree from Flying Dog Ranch. 
There's um, a gerbaz plum, which is a plum from Old Snowmass, planted by the, the gerbaz family. Um, so we're carrying on those genetics. In fact, um, I wanted to ask if you have any stories about heritage fruit trees from all of your decades of propagating them. Um, for example, like the Flying Dog Ranch or the Obermeyer Ranch or... Well, I know that one at the Flying Dog. It's over by the river, by the creek there, isn't it? I, I've never seen it. Oh, oh really? I've only propagated it from the tree growing at Crimpy. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's, that's funny because I remember getting signed wood because uh, John, uh, who was the, the, the guy who did the... Um, the uh, Grass-fed beef. Uh, well, uh, his 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 mother is a county commissioner right now huh. in Pritkin County. But um, he brought me over there because we were trading trees, grafted trees, for a pro- for a property he had down in Southern Colorado for for beef that I was using at the at the design course. And then I remember went over and got uh, signwood from that big tree there, right on, on the creek, and then. Also, I got it from uh, Klaus Overmeyer. I asked him what was his best uh, best apples, and I have, I think I have one of his his best reds, and it's a huge apple. It's above the pond, and then there's one down, uh, just from the, the schoolyard, just up valley, um, on the ditch there. It's yellow with red stripes. Where is that? Uh, uh, it's at. at uh, Harper's Place. Okay, you know. yeah. Yeah, that one, uh, it's a really pretty apple, but it doesn't, it's not a great keeper. Um, and I think it must have just been a seedling or something. But mm-hmm. um, And, you know, there's um, there's some really good apples, though, across over where you're working, um, across from the, from the schoolhouse. Uh, there's some good roams over there. And you're planting some more trees over there as well? Well, uh, yeah, so Jerome is talking about the Emma Orchard, which is at the site of the Emma Town site. Right. And um, that's a property where there were some existing old apple and apricot and plum trees. A few years ago, Picking County had me plant new heritage fruit trees there. So the next generations, we planted about a dozen, of, including some of these heritage varieties that we've been talking about. And as well as some berry bushes and some nitrogen fixers. And I want to emphasize to our listeners that that is public open space. And so if you're, if you're riding your bike on that trail there, get off and see if there's any fruit to harvest because there's gooseberries usually to harvest, currants. Um, some of the plums are already um, uh, mature enough to produce fruit. Uh, there's a Parker Golden Crab Apple there, which is a really delicious edible crab apple taken from Happy Day Ranch mm-hmm. in Emma. Right. There used to be a, a tree house in that particular tree. And really? I, and and uh, Jenny Parker hired me to take it down because it was a uh, it was a, uh, a health hazard. If somebody got up there, <laughs> they would. so I remember pruning that tree. And and it's, it has a few. It's almost dead. It's very old and it's very um, you know dying and it needs to be propagated. Uh, it's one of my. I have another uh, edible crab called centennial. Centennial, centennial right? That's my favorite. Yeah, that those are crab apples have uh, edible crabs have some really unique flavors and mm-hmm. you know they have all the flavors concentrated in that little apple. Yeah, to me it tastes like a blow pop lollipop. 
<laughs> yeah, in yeah, apple format. Yeah, and that that one's a kind of a yellow with a, a blush, where the the golden crab was all golden. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's uh, and then you know I'm also got some cider apples that I've been uh, grafting. Got some cyan wood for cider apples. So I think the next big push is we should put in a cider orchard. That's what you should do up at the up at the farm where you're working is put in a cider orchard. And uh, and then we could get those down to some one of the st- distilleries here in the valley. And um, I went to a cider orchard um, in Port Townsend where they had uh, dwarf trees and then they had geese underneath. It was planted with grass and there were geese underneath with kiddie pools. <laughs> and so the geese were eating the grass, fertilizing the orchard. There was a distillery there a bar, cider bar, and a restaurant, and a pizza oven, and there were a bunch of other um, um, kinds of, uh, you know, there were herb gardens, they were leasing out different parts of the of the farm to different enterprises, uh, but the cider orchard was just an amazing thing, um, and I don't think it's been uh, capitalized on so much, and you don't only need cider apples, but you you can get any apples that are available. Uh, that fall on the ground that are not used and mix them with cider apples mm-hmm. so you can get some value out of that and you you know bump up the the value and I think that's what uh, you know uh, uh, that should be happening to all of the the, the fruit trees right. that are not being used you mm-hmm. know somebody should be going around collecting them and making cider out of them. Well, in the fall, I went to a cider pressing event at Happy Day Ranch that was partly uh, organized by the Farm Collaborative. And it's my understanding that there's now going to be a cider press in the tool library that's available to the Roaring Fork Farmers and Ranchers. And so I think there will be more opportunities next fall to have more community cider pressing events, thankfully. Yeah, yeah we, did, we did that over there several times. It was a fun event. and. I can remember we had um, uh, <clears throat> people, sh- you know, juggling apples and kids <laughs> throwing them in there. And, there, and there's a great, the best tree over at the Parker Ranch is uh, the corner. Parker Par- Corner. Crab. Yeah, it's it's an old Rome that's really quite healthy and has amazingly hard Rome apples on it, uh, and they keep forever. I mean, they're amazing apples. Uh, that one you really need to propagate a lot of. And, uh, okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, all the cyanwood got cut off by mistake Oops. when they were pruning. And discarded. Fall. And you don't prune in the fall, but it was uh, not a good direction. And um, and all the cyanwood's gone. So, you, you know, you really want to wait until the, until the early spring to, to prune because that's a valuable part of the uh, the harvest is uh, getting the cyanwood um to do that. Well, um, lest we run out of time, I just want to be able to tell people how to get in touch with me. Um, my website is coloradoedibleforest.com, or you can also go to coedibleforest.com, and that'd be if people are interested in learning about plant sales or consulting, or if they have any leads on tasty fruit trees that you think Jerome and I need to propagate, or if you'd like any information about the pruning workshops that I mentioned earlier. If anybody was intrigued by the grass-finished beef that's also being raised at my host farm, Rivendell Farms, you can go to rivendellbeef.com or pluslazyk.com. And 
Of course, you can always go to crmpi.org to learn about Jerome's workshops. Yeah, they're coming up this year, and hopefully we'll have our special use permit, and we'll be able to do them back up upon them. What is the update on that? Well, we're going to be having another meeting, uh, hopefully our final meeting, on the 10th of December. And uh, I don't believe there's a public comments. There are no public comments. We are just going to finalize the uh, the conditions that we have uh, we have to apply to to get the, the the special use and the ADU permitted. So that hopefully that's uh, uh, that's going to happen. Yeah. Great. So uh, yeah, give us a call nine seven zero four five six thirty four eighty or Jerome at crmpi dot org and uh, uh, hopefully we'll um, we'll see you next month.